Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Welcome to the Spirit Katana. I'm your host, the old man. I am Ruby. And I am Jadefire. And together we are venturing through the New Testament, and we will be starting our series with Luke. And specifically today, we'll be going through Luke chapters 1 through 8. All right, so in that regard, starting with Luke 1, well, maybe maybe we should start with a brief idea of what Luke, the book of Luke is. Do you, either of you have any ideas who Luke was that wrote the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke? Sorry, I don't know. Okay, nobody can see you shaking your heads, just so you know. <laughs> so then say no. No. <laughs> All right. Um, well, do you know who the other three gospel writers are? Mark and... I think one of them's Peter? Matthew? No. Yes. Mark, Matthew, and... Luke. Yeah, well, who's the last one? John. I was so close. I was like... Yes, Peter was very close. No, I was saying it in my head. Do you know who John, Mark, and Matthew were at all? Was John the baptizer who lived in the wilderness? No, no, he was not. Nope, not that John. I was wondering. No, it's a good guess, though. Who do you... How did the four writers know Jesus? Weren't they his disciples? Three of them were. Three of them were his apostles. Luke is the only one who was not. Which means that three of them were actually there for the events, and Luke was somebody who researched and talked to people and learned about the events and wrote them down. He was trying to get all the facts and confirm what the other three had written. What What's other... in Luke is glimpses from the other four, or other three, I forgot. It is possible he talked to them and other apostles, but he also may have talked to people that were actually affected by what Jesus did when he was going around. Do you know what other book in the New Testament that Luke wrote? It is, it is Acts. Say it into the microphone next time instead of whispering it to me. <laughs> <laughs> are actually our first time being on the microphone so yes it's all a learning experience for everyone here all right so luke went back and that's why he introduces his uh gospel talking specifically to theophilus if you notice in the first few verses he talks to like it's written um mm -hmm. with this in mind i myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning i too decided to write an orderly account for you most excellent theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught so theophilus has obviously been taught all these things that jesus did and luke looked into it to make sh to make it so that they could be certain about those things and he studied it all right mm -hmm. so where do we start off after the introduction what happens in Luke's telling of the gospel. Anything significant? Angelic prophecy of the prophet John's birth. Yes. 
John the Baptist, his birth was foretold by an angel. Do you guys have, um, the, do you guys have the same version? Do you both have NYV or... NYV? I mean... I have the Passion Translation. NIV. What? The Passion Translation. Oh. I have so, NIV on mine. So we're all using the, a different version? Got it. What are you using? ESV. Oh, okay, cool. Perfect. So I'm trying to follow along the like... Yeah, hers will say things ah! a little, hers will say things more differently than our two, I believe. Um, ours will be pretty well in sync, um, but there will be differences all over the place. Isn't Elizabeth the one who had uh, John? Yes. And what was so fascinating to Zechariah, John's father, and Elizabeth about this prophecy? Why were they shocked by it? They were older. They were older. Did Zechariah? believe right away nope he was because of his unbelief he was mute for the pregnancy yep Mm -hmm. he was struck dumb dumb means you can't talk you're mute all right now he wasn't he didn't his brain wasn't taken out or anything (laughs) (laughs) all right um who was the angel that appeared to zechariah gabriel Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel, that's right. Gabriel. I, I accidentally pronounced it wrong. Yes, yes, you did. Um, it is the same angel that does afterwards show up to Mary, which is also in this chapter, right? Yeah. And is there anything similar to the way Zechariah and Mary reacted to the message that there would be a baby? This can't be. <laughs> Basically. Yep. They were like. This is impossible. Did but, was I, Mary struck mute? No. No. Why not? Because she believes she's like, well, nothing's impossible with the Lord. What he says must be true. If so, they said the same words, but there was maybe a different attitude behind them. Like with Zechariah, he's like, "How can this be?" And Mary's like, "How can this be?" Yeah, like that. <laughs> or the other way around. Well, no, that was very good. I think she. I, I got said, what you were going with. I, I like. I that. think she said that it's no, nothing's impossible with the Lord, though, and I don't think Zechariah said that. Did he? Yeah, Zechariah was just like wanting, like, how can he be sure? Like, what? He wanted proof. Basically, because he didn't believe it was possible. Like, this just seemed crazy. Whereas I would think it's crazy too. Yeah, for sure. I'd be like, what? Someone I know is going to have a baby. They were married. Right? Hmm. They were married, correct? Zechariah and Elizabeth? Yes. Yes. Yep. So definitely somebody he knew. And who was Elizabeth? Um, Mary's aunt. According to what I've read, it's a cousin, but... Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, her aunt heard Mary's voice. Oh. I have that underlined, actually. Or maybe it's his relative for mine. So anyway, she was related to Mary. That's the point. Yeah. Um, what happened as soon as Mary showed up to Elizabeth? This is one of my favorite parts of this chapter is uh, Elizabeth was, I think, six months in or around that. And the baby kicked and jumped inside because he was happy to hear her voice. It was like a sign, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. even Elizabeth's like, hey, hey, wait a second. Right? Yep. This reminds me of one time I, while I was in Sunday school. They played a little video for us um, about, like, this is probably, like, in the Old Testament. About Jacob and Esau. Yeah, that's def- definitely the Old Testament. They... Very, very Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know we're talking about the New Testament, but I just it, this um, specific 
verse reminds me of it, that they fought in her tummy. Like, they're going to be enemies from the start. Ah, yes. Yeah. Because Jacob and Esau were twins, right? Or one second apart, twins. Well, usually twins are not born at the exact same time. They just grow in the tummy at the same time, which is (laughs) what makes them twins. And it's okay to bring up the Old Testament. That's part of the Bible. It's all connected. And you know something Jesus does a lot? The Old Testament? He brings up the Old Testament. (laughs) There's many similarities in the Bible from one story to the next. There is, because God is at work in it all. Let's see, what else happens in chapter 1? We had the foretelling that John would be born, and Zechariah being struck mute because of it. We had the angel appearing to Mary and telling her she was going to have a baby. Then her visiting Elizabeth, and the reaction of John that helped confirm that there was something special there. Then what? Um, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three more months until the baby was born. And when Elizabeth gave birth to the baby's son, when the baby was eight days old, it said, according to their custom, all the family and friends came together to celebrate the baby. And uh, they presumed what the name would be, the name of the baby would be Zechariah. Why why did they presume that? Because uh, it was the father's name, and... In their time, they would name it them after their relatives or fathers. And what happened instead? Um, uh, Mar- er, er, she said that his no, his name is John. Who said that? Uh, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. Elizabeth said that, and they asked the father, and the father said his name is John. The father said that. No, he didn't. He oh. read it down on a board because he, <laughs> he couldn't still talk. Struck me. And the second he showed and gestured <laughs> to it, he could talk again. Yep, that's right. Because the, then he finally fulfilled what he was supposed to be doing there. It's all right. I mean, he basically declared his name was John just without his voice because he didn't have one. <laughs> it was just funny that you said the word sad is all. Yeah, because he was, he was mute. Yep. Also, at least he wasn't I noticed that both Mary and Zechariah have songs in this chapter, and oh. I just never realized that um, Luke was a musical. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where Luke's song is. Where's Not Luke's that? song, Zechariah's song. Zechariah's song. <laughs> uh, it's his prophecy, I guess. Uh, his... They both have prophecies. Mary sings them. Prophecy yeah, song. Zechariah's song comes at 67 to 68 and down. On mine it's His like, father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, so um, it doesn't say he sang it. Um, my my subtitle says song. On my, like, that's subtitle? Yeah. The black line? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My subtitle says, um, Mary's song of praise, the Magnificent. The Magnificent? No, it the, says Magnificent. Oh, Magnificent. And Zechariah's prophecy. Yep, 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 yep. Isaac Rice Prophecy in Mary's uh, Prophetic Song. Oh, okay. Cool. Hmm, neat. Ruby, what did you say your favorite part of this chapter was? Oh, uh, it was when Mary entered the home where Elizabeth was. Oh, with the when John reacted. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how about you, Jade? What's your favorite part of this chapter, now that we've gone over all these cool things? The same as um Ruby. About you, old man. I really appreciated Mary's prophetic song, actually. Um, 
I do have that underlined. Yep. I see, I see that I see that you have it completely highlighted. I did. I highlighted the whole thing. I really liked it. I just like the um just the recognition of the Lord's glorification and the rejoicing at it and and just the recognition of God seeing her humble state and how he's blessed her and just how just the fact that she recognizes what a blessing it all is and how wonderful this is. And yeah, I I just I don't know. I really like it. it. Speaks to me. All right, next chapter. Now this one's kind of boring. Uh, nothing really important happens in this chapter. Um, Except so we for can... the birth of Jesus. Oh right, 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 right. So maybe maybe we should go over that. Yeah. Chapter two is a very important chapter, and anybody who's probably been to church during Christmas has probably heard it at some point or another, because it is the common Christmas chapter. It's a chapter that on our Christmas Eve. With everybody here, I'm pretty sure it's the chapter that we all read a bit of. Yep, it is. Like mom, our mom gets us to memorize it, and then we quote our bit while everybody quotes theirs. Yep. Not necessarily memorize it. I know last year's Christmas, me, I read a little bit, and then my mom read some. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice because I think I used to read a lot of it or whatever, but now. Now you guys have taken on some of that. Let's see. So then, uh, what are some of the cool moments you found during this whole event, besides the fact that Jesus was born? I don't know why, but I think it's neat or interesting that they had to go to their hometowns to be counted. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, was kind of, that would be kind of a hassle. Yes, especially when you're almost going to have a baby. Yeah. Um, and how there was no inns available in there? <laughs> well, at a guest house, there was no room in the upper rooms where, like, the guest room. And so they had to stay in the lower part of the house where normally they had their animals eating and stuff. So yes. they were still in the house. Yeah, there's some contention around here over the idea of inns and stables being the traditional uh, idea of what took place when uh, it's the things didn't usually look that way or work quite that way, especially when traveling to um, cities you were from and probably had family and, and things like that. Now, was it cramped and there was no room in the guest area? For sure. Yes. <laughs> were they in a location that animals may have been brought into or would feed out of? For sure. Yes. So there's... There's certain things that are very close, but it's not quite the same as what we often see depicted, most likely. <laughs> and this is the chapter where I actually um, underlined, started underlining. I underlined verse 13, and suddenly he, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. Yes, and where was that? Where, where did this angel and then this multitude show up? Just in the sky, I think. Yeah. They were just... They just appeared. Well, an angel showed up first, and he said something to some people, so he was around somebody. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, in the... Farmers. Uh, right? shepherds. The shepherds. shepherds. And then that's where the host appeared. And what did the angel say first? It's something he said to Mary as well. When yeah. when the angel showed up with the shepherds, what did he say? And In verse 9 it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them... Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He also told Mary to not be afraid. Fear, or fear not. 
Which what's the same idea? Yeah. Same idea. Different translations. What does yours say? Um, mine. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So, um, it's something that it's the a... angel had to say both to Mary and to them, and they were terrified when he just he showed up, and then the whole you know a whole host of them showed up, right? Mm-hmm. They're this stunning sight, and you're probably scared when you see something flying that's not an airplane. <laughs> Maybe. But, but like, if you time, saw, no if you saw an angel as we often see depicted in pictures and movies, which looks like just a regular person in a white robe with a couple of wings, if they suddenly appeared, sure, you might be like startled, maybe a little scared, but would you be terrified? Probably not. Probably not. So, is it possible the angels maybe exuded a bit more than just a person? <laughs> with a couple of wings, looking white, with a gold halo, maybe. Now, there's some descriptions of angels, and they sound a little terrifying <laughs> in other areas of the Bible. <laughs> so I could see why they would say, don't be afraid. Um, Because the verse, the section actually says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Who is Christ the Lord? And this will be a sign t- for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Well, what, so at the very beginning he said, I bring you what? What is he bringing you? Great joy. Uh, close. Good news. Of good news good, of great joy. Um, what does gospel mean? Good news. The good, the news. good news. That's right. I know the Messiah. So he, bring, sure he was bringing is. the gospel. The Messiah, I think, is often, if he's arrived, he's the good news he is. His arrival and what he was there to do for us and what he did do for us is what the good news is. Yes. So it was very good news that he was finally there. They may have expected him to do different things than what actually took place, as we will find out further on. However, it was exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything's exciting with angels. (laughs) That's true. Um, because with the tomb, um, the angel was there and told that he was risen. Spoilers. <laughs> what about Jacob and Esau? Aren't we going to read that eventually? No, never. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, the shepherds got to find out about this. Um, and then something happened on a specific numbered day, which was the same thing that happened to somebody else on a specific numbered day. In the last chapter, what day? What day do you think it is? One day? The tenth day? The seventh day? The eighth day. The eighth day. What happened? Are you talking about the last chapter or this chapter? Both. On the eighth the day. name. They were named and circumcised because it was all that all took place at the same time. Oh, I think it's this chapter that they um went to the church. I I think and uh, there was. A whole thing, and then this older prophet, I believe, was quite happy to see them, or to see the baby, because he knew he was the Messiah. Yes, Simeon. He was told that he would get to see the Savior before he died. So now he was going to be able to move on, but he also got to see salvation arrive. Yep, and it was the temple. Not not the same as churches now, but... Especially since we are the church. Um, but. He held him, and uh, he held him, and the things he was saying about him, Mary and Joseph were astonished. 
is what my translation mm. says. In a movie I watched about the about Jesus's birth, um, there's this woman and her husband, and uh, she wanted to see the Savior. So when she finally saw Jesus as a little baby, she said, um, she's willing to die because she was a very, very old lady. Mm. So after the old man, not me, <laughs> after Simeon showed up, uh, who else came and talked and also affirmed that this was um, somebody sent by God? Woman, I know. Yeah? Just a woman? Just some regular old woman? Or was she something special? Ruby's getting annoyed. <laughs> I'm getting stared at. <laughs> she Stop! was a prophet. They didn't actually call the old man Simeon a prophet, at least in my translation, but they called her a prophet. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. I could be saying some of those wrong, but, you know, names, man, they're confusing. Um. And she was very old. So, after they met with the prophet Anna and Simeon and stuff, and they did everything they were required to, what did they do? They took Jesus and returned to their home in Nazareth, in Galilee. The child grew more powerful in grace, for he was being filled with wisdom, and favor of God was upon him. Yep, so they went back to Galilee, into Nazareth. If you read some of the other Gospels, there's actually... A little bit more journeying involved before they get that f- to that point, but he highlighted the facts of the other gospels. Yep, that that he, that was he put in what he could confirm most likely. It's like, yep, they ended up going to Galilee. But if you read the others, he also went to Egypt first to flee the city because they were warned by an angel because the ruler there was going to kill everybody. Well, not everybody, but the kids. Because he. He was told that this king was going to arise because of three wise men told him. And uh, yeah, we don't they even... were also warned by an angel not to... I mean, this isn't in this chapter, but they were also warned by an angel not to go back that way. Because the king's like, come, tell me so I can bring gifts. And he was actually telling lies. Yep. Yeah, so Luke kind of doesn't even touch on a lot of that stuff that we get in other areas about the three wise men and the trying to kill everybody and then yeah fleeing to egypt and then from in egypt then they're told that they can go back but when they're going back then they're sent to go to nazareth so then we skip ahead don't we in jesus's life like 12 years around there yep this is actually another favorite little parable story (laughs) not a parable i get those mixed up all the time story from the bible the bible's very neat if you're willing to read some of it there are lots of good stories in there. There is. It's a very fascinating book. Even if you don't believe in the stuff, it's just a really cool story. Good book. Some might say, the good book. <laughs> so, um, you really like this part about uh, Jesus in the temple at 12? Where uh, he uh, goes to the Passover festival. Pretty sure this takes place because of the night when the angels passed over the houses because of things that happened in Egypt. Yeah, very long time ago. Once again, back in the Old Testament. Yes. A little closer than Jacob and Esau, but not much. <laughs> Jacob and Esau were like in Genesis. They are in Genesis, yes. I did bring it up because... And the Passover is in which book? When did the angel pass over the houses with the lamb's blood over it? Exodus. And which book is that in the Bible? The second? The second one. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Jade, about this point where 
this 12-year-old boy disappears from his family who are looking for him all over the place and can't find him, and then they find him in the temple. Don't you dare tell him about what happened at the water park. (laughs) Anyway, how do you feel about a 12-year-old sitting in the temple asking all these questions and learning and stuff and not having followed his parents down the road? Um, Do you think that was disobedient? Uh, partially, and partially, it was a good idea. Well, it couldn't have been disobedient because Jesus was perfect. He was just going to go into his father's house. His true father. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Not let, but he did But he didn't let his parents know where he was going. Yeah? He yeah. caused some worry, for sure, but he still was just going to the place of his father's. When they find him, even after three days... And they're like, why did you run off? And they didn't. Like, they didn't even say why did you run off. They just asked, we were why, like they were just searching for him. Yeah, and he's like, why didn't you check here? I'm obviously should be in the place of my father's. So, to your comment, generally speaking, it would be assumed that the missing child would be to blame for wandering off. But do you think Jesus has any blame here? No. Because he was perfect. So whatever happened to have left him behind was probably something not out of the... Blue? Yeah, it probably wasn't out of the norm. Like, they traveled in big groups and families, and they probably had somebody else... Maybe, especially at 12 years old, he's, like, getting to the point of being an adult because people were considered able to take care of themselves more and stuff at a younger age and things like that. That he was probably supposed to just go when they went or whatever, and so nobody even, like, said, hey... Jesus, let's go. It's time to go. <laughs> they probably just assumed he was with them, which is why. Because they also didn't notice he was missing right away, did they? How many days did it take him? Three. Three days. That sounds like pretty poor parenting, but it probably wasn't for that day and age. They probably thought he was with relatives, hanging out with some of the other people in the back of the group, because they traveled in big groups. Where you said that most things, it'd probably be the 12-year-old boy's fault. Um... Yeah, if a 12-year-old boy went missing when you were heading back, you would probably presume he's off at an ice cream stand or something. <laughs> I don't think they had ice cream back then. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> back time, back there times, but... All right, moving on to chapter three. Anything stand out to anybody in this chapter? Well, this is the chapter where we hear about John growing up and... And I think John and Jesus are actually adults now, or at least old enough to go out on their own. And John is baptizing. He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he was quoting from a prophet in the Old Testament. And when he was baptizing, when when Jesus came to be baptized, he was like, no. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus is like, no, I need to be baptized to fulfill prophecies, I think. I could be wrong. Yep, he had to to be baptized, yep. John was like, I'm not not supposed to be doing it. But I also, one of my favorite parts about this one (laughs) is that John gets pretty feisty with people and calls them a brood of vipers. (laughs) You brood of vipers. Yep, you like that part too, huh? I just underlined it because I think vipers are cool. Right on. Well, it was quite the insult to be called a brood of vipers. How? Do you know what a brood is? Nope. The babies. Bunch of babies of snakes, and snakes aren't necessarily considered to be the most righteous and upright beings. (laughs) 
I wonder why. Does anybody have any idea why snakes might be looked down upon? Because the devil was a snake. <laughs> and uh, snakes bite and usually, or sometimes have poisonous fangs. Yeah, but I think the biggest reason is Genesis when the devil appeared as a snake and tempted us into the fall of man. <laughs> Definitely insulting, but I also think he called him that because, like, trust in the devil, you aren't trusting um, Jesus and stuff. And he's like, you need to do that, and you can't be following the devil. So when they start asking questions after he says, you know, John explains a bunch of stuff and produce good fruit uh, about the trees. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Circled. Why? Because of the word fire? I only circled the word fire. Ah. <laughs> what should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. What do you guys think about that? I think it's interesting. I don't know how you're going to do that to every person, but I think the main thing is, like, you should help those who are poor. All right. So then even tax collectors who were not looked to be the best people in the world came to be baptized. They were almost thieves because they took more than what was actually supposed to be taken. And what did John tell them to do? Collect no more than you are authorized to. Yep, don't collect any more than you are required to. Just collect what you're told to collect. And the soldiers aren't supposed to extort money. Don't accuse them falsely and get them in trouble for things they didn't, and then try to get money out of them to protect them. So yeah, John was definitely stirring up people and doing this whole baptism thing. Definitely probably made some people furious. And then he said that there was even, like, he just baptized with water, right? And somebody else is coming to baptize them with... Fire? Fire and the Holy Spirit. So, what does baptism look like? Well, I believe it looks like dumping, dunking someone under water. Okay, so that's with water, right? Mm -hmm. So what would it look like if you were baptized with fire? <laughs> you probably would be burned to death. That, would, that sounds like a very scary and weird message to be given out. Me? You will be... No, to... That, that John said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, to be baptized, you're supposed to be completely submerged, right? And then come back up. So, let's ignore the fire part for a second. But if you're completely submerged in the Holy Spirit, that would be a very good thing. You would want to be soaked in the Holy Spirit, right? To have that covering you and in you, right? Yeah, it's like cleansing your body. Yeah. All sin. Holy water. Um... It's like holy water on my skin. <laughs> but see, the thing is, is that the Holy Spirit would rest upon people on occasion in the Old Testament. It would be on these people specifically to do these tasks and whatever. But people weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't come until much later. You know what book that might appear in? Acts. Acts, that's exactly right. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them... Yeah, yeah. Acts is when everybody starts getting to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's why we all are together a part of the church. The church is the body of Christ. And we are the body of Christ, not the building that we call church. <laughs> and then, what happens when we get into the part of, in, in chapter 3 about the baptism of Jesus? What else do we get? When Jesus actually gets baptized, what happened? What else do we, we told by Luke? All right, let me draw, let me connect some dots here, okay? I'm trying to find 
I know. Thank I know. you. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too, and he was praying. And as he was praying, heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended onto him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. So, we just had Jesus be baptized, and a voice. Whose voice do you think it was? Wild guess. God's. Yes. God's. God's voice. And we're what, reading about uh, the Bible. What did he just call Jesus when he spoke? His son. He called Jesus his son. Therefore, Jesus is God's son, correct? Yes. Yeah. And then Luke also mentioned, specifically at the end of that section, what does he say? Jesus was the son, so it was thought or believed, or that's what he was told, of? Joseph. Of Joseph. So is he Joseph's son, or is he God's son? In both. a way, both. Um, righteously, and since it's Jesus kind of entirely, um, he's God's son, just like we're all sons and daughters of Christ. Mm, interesting. And so, what does he start listing off right after that? Right after he mentions, he was the son, so was thought of Joseph. We are on verse 23 and down. What happens after the word Joseph? The son of Healy? The son of Heli, Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melki, the son of... No, well, mine just says Melki. All right. So my point is, so it's going through this whole genealogy, his whole ancestry, if he were to be the son of Joseph, which does eventually lead him to a specific figure that's very famous to many people from the Old Testament, a certain king. Does anybody know who I might be talking about? God told this king... Um, he did tell David that his descendant would be the one to bring salvation. Yes, David. King David, the one that slew Goliath. I didn't know there was... It seems like God really... You don't know King David was David and Goliath, David? Correct. <laughs> well, David, who killed Goliath, did become king. And, of course, if you tr trace David back, you do get back to Adam and Noah and all that. But, I mean, everybody you trace back is going to go to Noah... And then Adam. <laughs> well, they go to one of Noah's sons, including and then Noah. And who was Adam the son of? Does it say at the end? God. Because God, God created him. So he's still the son of. Yes, so he is still the son of God. Because when they say the son of something, they don't always mean the direct son. Sometimes they mean grandson or great grandson or great 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 grandson. <laughs> they mean descendant, really. Now. It is interesting that the Passion Translation does mention the ancestry of Mary that goes this way, because if you go and look into the other Gospels, there are other genealogies given that have different names that do still connect to David and then follow the same line after David, because obviously David had this, no matter which way you go, David has the same parents and so forth and so on, right? And it's interesting that because some of them are talking about Mary specifically. Whereas in Luke it says Joseph. Because usually talks about men. You, the Bible usually tr traces lineage by men. Because they're the ones who get married and pass down their line and have the children and their names get passed down. So like men were the ones that inherited things, which is why we have to... Well, in the Bible it calls for people to look after widows because 
they most of their livelihood and everything came from their husbands or fathers if they didn't get married and if they got married then they left their family and then they become a widow it's like well who's going to take care of them right and even after it talks about mary it goes from men up right right but it's just interesting that both through joseph his father who didn't who's not even necessarily biologically his father and through Mary, doesn't matter which line you trace it back, it still goes back to David. And then, of course, back up to Adam eventually. So, it's just very interesting. Because some people will look at those genealogies and be like, hey, uh, these conflict. They don't say the same names. It's like, well, of course they don't. <laughs> Alright, chapter four. Ooh, this is a good one. This is definitely one of my favorite parts about uh, Jesus' ministry. and Also a very interesting thing for Luke, who is, seems to be... Sp- specifically looking and researching what exactly happened and who can testify to them, this story almost seems a little supernatural and far-fetched. Um, actually, this story of Jesus in the wilderness is another thing I really like. One of the other stories yeah. I really like. In the I just like chapter 4 in general, so I circled the 4. <laughs> gotcha. So what happens to Jesus out in the wilderness? Uh, he gets tempted. By the devil. He was fasting for 40 days, and he was very hungry, because fasting is where you eat no food, and then that is um, when the devil showed up. I mean, he read the scripture and stuff, and then the devil showed up, and he's like, if you're really the son of man, why don't you just turn this rock into a loaf of bread? And... uh, so the devil's trying to tempt him by the Bible, in a sense, and trying to get him to be like... Well, there, he's not even testing him by the Bible. He's just like, hey, you're hungry. You can feed yourself easily peasy. You, just, you, can, you can say the word and make that rock bread. And Jesus replied, I will not, for it is written in the scriptures, life does not come from only eating bread, but from God life flows. So Jesus used the scripture to refute him. And then what was the next temptation? And how did the devil try to trick him? How did the devil try to trick him, Jade Fire? By getting him... by te- So he was like, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all Nope, you skipped one. Wait, what? Oh, you're right. Sorry, I skipped one. <laughs> you're right. My bad. All right, so the devil... Tried to get Jesus to save him by his own power, and he refused, and used scripture to refute him. So then the devil, he tried to offer him a way out of his hunger, out of his difficulty. So what was the new thing he tried to use? Giving him power over all the world? Yep. And all what did he have to do to, to get all that authority and power? Bow down to Satan. And, this is a little more obscure, but I've always found it interesting that the end of a certain movie... The villain attempts to do this to the hero of the story by using very similar words, like, all you have to do, I will do anything you want, you only have to be my slave, is basically what he says. And by the way, this movie is Labyrinth. The Goblin King tells the Sarah, the, the heroine of the story. And so it's just very interesting that something so similar happened in a pretty fun movie. A little, a little weird, but it's a cool movie. But how did Jesus refute this one? He used the word again, didn't he? We will only bow down to God. Yes, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So, 
what did Jesus use twice to refute the, the devil? Scripture. And the scripture. so what did the devil try to use to trick Jesus this time? The scripture. <laughs> but then he uses a scripture again to Yes, yes, it. but what did he say? Um, next, the devil took Jesus to a very high point in Jerusalem. I think it might, the highest point is what my Bible says. And um, said, if you're really the son of God, just jump down. Because it is said that the angels will come and save you. And and you won't even be hurt by a little rock at the bottom. Nothing. Jesus replied, it is also written in the scriptures that you shouldn't ask for proof of that. You should just be like... You shouldn't try to get proof for anything. Um, and who tried to do that in the first chapter? Um, Zechariah. Zechariah tried to get proof, didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to get proof. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, another thing I think is interesting here is that we just recently went through the genealogy, right? Mm-hmm. That led us to Adam and then God, of course. Mm-hmm. What caused mankind to fall? Um, the devil and Adam sin. and Eve. How many times was Eve tempted by the devil? Many times, old man. <laughs> he w- it was one instance of temptation. It was for the same thing. However, the conversation did get refuted once. In the in Genesis, he tries to say he tries to get Eve to eat, uh, eat the apple, and she says something in response that refutes it. But then he twists it again, like he uses God's words because they didn't have scripture at the time. So now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So see, he used God's words, right? Twisting them a little. Because it's not quite what what God said. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And then the serpent says, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he had to try twice, right? Because she refuted it the first time because she recognized that he twisted the words just a little bit and was not quite right. He said, You can't eat from any tree. And she's like, No, 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 no. He said we can eat from any tree except this one. <laughs> And so then he's like, then he just casts doubt on God's honesty and truth and goodness, and she falls for it. Now, it's interesting, because then right off the bat, then she offers the food to Adam, and then he eats it too. So, with a couple little temptations and lies, mankind has fallen. And now Jesus is here, and so Satan's back to his old tricks. He's going to tempt but this time we have somebody who withstands it three times. And that finally puts the devil to quitting on that effort. He works on other ways to try to get through to Jesus and destroy Jesus' ministry. Which, of course, ultimately do not work out for the devil either. Because it just fulfills the word and sucks to be the devil. <laughs> sucks to be the devil. Alright, so he's tested in the wilderness, chapter 4, and then after that we learn of more testing, really. Um, what happens to him after the temptation, according to the Gospel of Luke? Like, what's the next thing he tells us about? He goes back 
to Galilee, Nazareth. He begins. He begins his ministry. But what happens in Nazareth, his hometown? He got rejected. Well, before that, Jesus was uh, speaking and teaching, and he also said that no prophet is welcome in his hometown. That's something I thought was interesting. It is interesting. Why do you think a prophet would not be welcome in his hometown? Because there's already a prophet there and he wants to spread the war. It's an interesting thought. I don't think that's why, but that's interesting. Because they saw him grow up. They saw him grow up. He was a child in their town. They saw this boy who they probably saw as getting into mischief because of their own sin and not realizing that he wasn't doing anything wrong. They just didn't understand. They know who his parents are and what lowly positions they may have of being a carpenter like Joseph or just Mary who claims to have been carrying the Son of God <laughs> and mm-hmm. salvation. And they might not have believed it. They may have believed it. I don't know. But like when you see somebody... like Granted, we're sinful, so we're going to make mistakes. And so... Let's say that everybody saw everything or a lot of the wrong things you did. All the lies you told, all the things you snuck away with or stole or the trouble you might have caused or the proud attitudes you might have. And then you mature and become an adult and learn more about scripture and go to teach about it. How likely are the people that saw you grow up like that going to believe you and trust your words? Exactly. So I think that's part of it. I think they knew who he was and who his parents were, that they didn't see him as something special. Yeah, but why wouldn't? But how would that make it so other prophets couldn't go into that city and? Or, other prophets could go there. Yeah, it's just he's not welcome in his. A prophet hometown. isn't welcome in his hometown. So any prophet that goes to their hometown is probably not that welcome or trusted. There's probably about a prophet. So from a each prophet town. from. Egypt probably could have said some stuff and they might buy it. I see. But if they go back to some town in Egypt that they came from, they'd be like, oh, you're that schmuck that, you know, got that snotty nose all the time and talked with a lisp. (laughs) I mean, whatever, you know. What's a lisp? A a lisp is when you have trouble with your S's and they sound like instead of S. Sometimes you guys stumble and talk that way, yes. And it's really cruel that the word lisp is difficult for somebody with a lisp to say. <laughs> I have a lisp. Okay, so after that, in chapter 5, we have Jesus calling his first disciples. And who were his first disciples he ended up calling? Um, this is another thing I kind of like. Um, the story of catching a live fish. Yep. Miracle catch a fish. And it's interesting how Jesus uses it almost to get his first disciples. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of a book that I have called, Hey, Christians Have a Sense of Humor Too. And one of them is, uh, where there's all the fishes are on the right side of the boat, and they're casting on the other side, and one of the fish said, don't worry, they'll never cast their net on this side. <laughs> that's funny. And that's how they caught so many fish. Because all of them were just in that one So spot. what happened before Jesus got to the boats? Um, the people were following him, I believe. 
They were crowding around him and stuff, sure, but when he got to the water's edge. But what happened, let's say, the night before? On one occasion, while the crowd... Read chapter, or read verse 5. Oh, okay. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Um, but took nothing. That's mostly what I wanted. So what happened? By your word, all the Disbelief. No, but what happened the night before? They caught nothing. They were fishing all night and caught nothing. nothing. That's because all the fish were on the other side of the boat. <laughs> That's not true, because they were probably out deeper into the water fishing all night. They probably didn't stay at one spot fishing on one side of the boat. But when Jesus says we'll put their nets down, what happens? They said, well, we caught nothing, but if you say so, we will. And Your command. They got... So much fish, they needed help Who from specific- other people. Yeah, that's true. And the nets were breaking, weren't they? And it filled the boats. Who said that they would lay the- let down the nets on the other side of his word, even though they caught nothing? Peter. That's not what mine says. Simon. Who is Peter? <laughs> Simon Peter. Yours doesn't say Simon? No. Okay. Yeah, it's... Peter? So Simon is his real name, but later on, Jesus renames him Peter, so he's known as Simon Peter. No, that's, and that's fine, because he's known more as Peter, because that's what Jesus named him. He got a new name. But he is he started out as Simon. Did he, had a t- did he have to tell everybody that... I bet you on, his, on day eight, after he was born, he was circumcised and named Simon. <laughs> um, did, did he have to tell everybody that he has a new name, or did Jesus switch everybody's brains, or memory? <laughs> did he just switch all their memory... Of Simon and replace Simon with Peter? No. Otherwise, we wouldn't have it written as Simon Peter by Luke later on. They most likely also didn't stay in that town forever, and so you probably didn't have to tell a lot of people. I bet you there are people that still called him Simon, even to his dying day, because that's how they knew him. What? But he still started going by Peter, and so some people would call him Simon, some people would call him Peter, more and more people would start calling him Peter, some called him Simon Peter to help us know who we're talking about. All right. So, then the people that helped him, who were they? He said, hey, they got so much fish, and so they asked the other people that, yep, there you go, so you do have Simon Peter. Um, They needed help, so who were the other fishermen that helped Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee, so they're brothers. Zebedee. Ah, yours says Jacob. Very interesting. Mine says... Which also, I think Zebedee was with them too, but no. Does it say that? Or just that they were the sons of Zebedee? Zebedee. Simon's partners, yeah. And also James and John, sons of Zebedee. Yeah, James and John. Which is interesting, because James should be Jacob. They translated it differently for whatever reason in the New Testament, but it's just Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) so the passion decided to keep it that way so yes james and john and who are james and john besides Uh, the sons of zebedee disciples of jesus they also become apostles and john is an apostle so he's probably the one who who wrote john the gospel according to john he wrote john Uh, that john wrote john so one of these uh, fishermen Wrote the book of John. <laughs> I don't even remember the No, word. John the Baptizer did not write a book. Yeah, anyway. I just couldn't remember the reference. Oh, okay. But you know what it says? Yeah, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but 
have eternal life. <laughs> I, I haven't. We got a prize. Any- we had a prize. You, you didn't get to the prize. <laughs> like, so, shall not perish. But what do we get? What do we get? <laughs> you can remember what we get. Life. The best prize of all. All right. Um. So yes. Uh. Jesus helped them get a bunch of fish, and then he called them all to follow. And but what did Simon first do after they caught all that fish? He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He recognized that Jesus was something special and that he was just not worthy. But any of us truly worthy, have we done anything to earn Jesus' blessings? No. Nope. Not at all. Not Not in this chapter, but in different chapters. It is mentioned a few times, I know, that go away from me because I am not worthy. Peter's not the only, or Simon's not the only one who does that. Yeah. So they pulled their boats up on the shore after this, after he said that, you know, you will now fish for people instead of fish. They pulled their boats on the shore and left everything and followed him. So they got the biggest catch of their lives, probably, and they left it all behind. To follow Jesus. Or they left their nets. They left their boats. They yep. left their fish. They just I probably got up and left. I'd probably <laughs> at least bring some of the fish. In the <laughs> well, maybe they did. Maybe they packed a couple. <laughs> well, they said they left everything. So, all right. So then it probably doesn't mean everything. It could. It could. They the clothes that they were wearing. I would hope so. I would hope so. Um, <laughs> what if they just strip naked and like, oh, geez. I mean, there's a point in the Bible where it talks about how they ran off and left even their clothes behind. So wait, that's much later. No. Um, so then after this, Jesus does his first healing that we see in Luke, at least. Jesus cleansed the leper. How did the leper approach him? What did he say? He begged. Lord, if you will, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Yes. He believed. Mine says, if you were willing. Yep. And Mine too. That also goes with something later. He says, of course I'm willing. He says, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. It and says, do you I know will. what? Do you know what's significant about that? The leopard <sighs> left him. No, it's significant because people never usually stayed away from lepers. And he's willing to go there and heal them. He And what did he do before he said, I am willing? Jesus reached out his hand and... Touched him. And nobody touched lepers. You don't touch the lepers. Otherwise, so you get, get leprosy. leprosy. I'm pretty sure in The Chosen, when, it's a Bible show. And I'm pretty sure the people who were with him were like, you have to stay away from that man. He is leprosy. Mm-hmm. You don't want to touch him. Stay mm-hmm. away. But Jesus did... But then Jesus tells him not to tell anyone. Just go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses gave. That's a question I have. He tells some other people to do that in different parts. Why does he tell them to tell no one? It's a good question. Because then the people will will reject him because then they'll think he has leprosy. I don't know for certain how everything is supposed to be and why he said this to people. I know part of it because he says part of it is that his time has not yet come to be known. He says that, I think, to his mom during the wine at the wedding kind of thing, when he changes the water to wine. And so he doesn't want people to be spreading it yet. He's setting up the stage. He's proving, like, he's showing, he's helping some people. He's, his followers get to see this. 
and get to know him, but it's not time for the world to know. The sooner the world knows, the sooner they start persecuting him, and the sooner his ministry of walking around alive ends. Yes, that, that makes so sense. So it was all part of God's timing. I don't know what the exact plan and timing was that God had intended and what Jesus was trying to do, but he just knew that it wasn't time for them to share it yet. Because eventually he stopped saying it. <laughs> I noticed that too. I was just curious about the times he did say it. Then eventually he even does some healing right in front of the Pharisees, which we see right after that in Luke. Jesus heals a paralytic. A paralyzed man. He forgives and heals a paralyzed man. The forgiving is actually the more significant thing, uh, interestingly. Just... Yep, I know. But he also forgives them if you read through it. Another thing I've noticed in many other chapters as well is when he does forgive, he's the Pharisees are like, who is this man that can forgive sins? It's not always these words, but is it is who is this man that I find most interesting. Okay. Who is this man? Because they're just figuring he's a man, right? Just a normal, everyday man, so he should not have that power he to should, forgive sins. Because they also say, does he think he is God? And he does, because he is. <laughs> he doesn't think he's well, God. He, he knows, knows he's God. Yep. More so he's his son, right? Ah, good question. Answer. Have you ever Both. heard of the Trinity or the Triune God? God oh. the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is three in one. Jesus is the Son. He is a separate part of God. He is God made man on earth, like a physical presence on earth, because God is much bigger and omnipresent, right? And then the Holy Spirit is what comes into us and intercedes on us, on our behalf, and connects us to God and everything, right? But they're all God. God the Father, who's creator god the son who came down and died for our sins he is god's son but he is also god that's why they do that illustration a lot of times at churches with um at church buildings <laughs> um with water water can be cooled down it's still water but it's now ice it's cold ice and if you heat it up it becomes steam right oh. so it's more like air and ethereal but it is still water Water. I see. Right? Right? That makes sense. Okay, cool. The water cycle is the water starts in the world, gets turned into steam by the sun. Yes, it's evaporated into the clouds and then it rains down again. Mm -hmm, and then it comes down in the water yep. cycle. It's There's a whole song about it on, oh, okay. Spotify, on Spotify Kids. Look it up. But yes, when he says to the paralyzed man that he's forgiven, the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is blasphemy, you don't say that, uh-uh. And so then, and they don't say that to him, right? They begin thinking to themselves. And Jesus knows what they're thinking, because Jesus is God. <laughs> and he says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And what would you think is easier to say? I don't know which one's easier to pronounce. <laughs> okay. Get up and walk. You think that's easier? Which one do you have to prove? Um, the one you have to prove is get up and walk and say it. <laughs> you don't have to prove when you say your sins are forgiven. You can just be like, oh, but they are, because I'm God. And there's nothing you can see that changes, right? Whereas, get up and walk, you're going to look like an idiot if that person doesn't get up and walk. But then he says it to him, and he got up. Which is, well, and he's, why did he say it to him? To prove that I have the power to forgive sins, that I am who I say I am. So, so you will believe, hey, yo, get up and walk. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, he probably didn't say yo. But I wasn't slang at the time. I don't think yo was invented yet. <laughs> so yo! That reminds me. Why did the dinosaur cross the road? Why? Because chickens weren't invented yet. <laughs> I got that from a Scooby-Doo book. Alright, so then, after the paralyzed man, Jesus calls another disciple. Matthew. Another writer. Does your book say Matthew? It does. Cool. Why? Because depending on which gospel you're reading, I think, in my version, and this version specifically, it calls him Levi, which has confused me in the past. All right. So, we're eating with him. But yeah, so he calls Matthew or Levi, right? Mm -hmm. And who was Matthew slash Levi? A tax collector. So he calls a tax collector. What do our tax tax people like tax collectors, right? No. Even no. now? No. Wait, what? No. Nope. People don't like taxes. All right. So, people loved the tax collectors back in Jesus's time, well, especially, especially Jewish now. ones. Yeah, especially not back then. Yeah, no. They were not liked. And yet he calls him to be his disciple and then what does he go and do with him? Goes and eats a meal with other tax collectors and sinners. And how did the Pharisees feel about that? They're like, that's not allowed, that's not the law. <laughs> so we're supposed to just hang out with other Christians, if you're a Christian. Is that, is that, nope. That's what the Pharisees seem to say. Um, they seem to know what's up, right? <laughs> they, they study the law, the rules. <laughs> the law, not the Bible. Um, <laughs> well, the Bible isn't written yet, except for the Old Testament. Oh, um, Jesus replies to that as... Uh, do not the sick go to the doctors to be healed? The heal the well the healthy don't go to the doctors. Right. Sick do. Yeah. So should the healthy doctors just hang out with healthy people and that's it? They shouldn't touch the sick people. Definitely not. That's not how that works. <laughs> they should uh, hang out with the sick people and not the healthy. Well, I think both are okay. What? I think it's okay to be hanging out with the healthy people and the sick people. Yeah, they need not to, just. But they one. need to help. They definitely need to hang out with the sick people because they need to help them. Yeah, um, and then he's like, um, I have not come to, uh, it's often known as the sinners are, like, straying, um, and he's like, I've not come to put the people who are on the right track on the right track, I've come to get the stray and put them on the right track. Yep, alright, so, we got that, and then we go into six when we hit some Sabbath controversy, chapter six. What what did Jesus do on the Sabbath that got the Pharisees up and riled again? He seems to rile them up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed some grain and ate it from the grain fields. I think it was just him, his disciples, and his disciples. Yep. And they're like, "How are you? Why are you doing this on the Sabbath?" And he said, "Because I am Lord of the Sabbath." I'm pretty sure. Or that's just that's just from my yes, memory. Yes, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, but he also brings up some other things, like when David ate some. Food that was supposed to be consecrated and served only to priests to eat. But David, not of the priests, got to eat some when they were hungry. Because doing good on the Sabbath is okay. The work, working on the Sabbath, which was part of the problem. They were harvesting grain by taking a little bit of it and eating it. Yeah, that was like making a meal. Are you not allowed to make meals on the Sabbath? No, you have to starve. Or fast. You should fast. On the Sabbath. Is that true? <laughs> is, is that what they say in the Bible? I, not that I recall. Well, they should um. actually, they should actually make. If they w aren't allowed to make food on the Sabbath, they need to make food on Friday, and then 
they can um, eat it, and then, well, they have it <coughs> in a warm place, so it stays warm until Sabbath, too, and then all they have to do is pull it out and eat it, or eat it while it's in a warm place. Yep. Uh, that's not a bad idea, to keep it, keep food made, so you can just eat without having to do extra stuff, but it's a... If, I mean, if you are allowed to cook on them. Later on, exactly. Jesus even talks about, hey, which one of you people wouldn't, you know, rescue an animal stuck in something on a Sabbath. You do good on the Sabbath. That's okay. All right. Anyway. So then on another Sabbath, he also healed another, or he did something else. He healed somebody, right? Yeah. And the, the Pharisees did not like that because they're like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. It's Sabbath. And it's like, so I can't heal people? I don't know where that is. I just like it because Jesus knew that what they were thinking, and he specifically told the guy to get up and stand in front of everyone. He's like, all right, we're not going to hide this. We're going to do this right in front of them. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like he's, like, trying to frustrate them. I don't think he's trying to frustrate them. He's just being like, hey, go ahead and ask your questions and come at me. Because he's like... Because he even says to them, I ask you. Like, he's trying to make a point. He's trying to get this through their heads. They're a little thick-skulled. <laughs> uh, he's like, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Ah, uh, that's what I was trying to point out. Yeah, that's uh, verse 9. And then he healed them. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they were furious. They were like, don't do it, don't do it. And he's like, I'm going to, though, I'm going to. So then we have the naming of the 12 apostles. So he specifies 12 apostles whose he's chosen. And we get, here we get in 14, Simon, who he named Peter. Um, his brother, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, which was what we called Levi. And you'll notice Levi is not written here. So the Levi in Luke, it's, it's weird that it says Levi and the Matthew here. Um, Thomas. James, son of Alphaeus, so we have two Jameses. Simon, who was called the Zealot, so we have two Simons, one being called Peter and one the Zealot. And Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot. So we have two Judases. And Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So Luke just spoiled things at the end here. So, mm-hmm. um, I have Judah, the son of Jacob. Ah, right, James is Jacob, and then Judah could be. Yep. Okay. And a large crowd of his disciples was there. So he had many disciples, right? A large crowd. Yes. Twelve apostles, but many disciples. I get that mixed up a lot. Yep. It's easy to mix up. I know as a kid I did not realize they were separate things. And let's see. What what else did he do in here? He healed many diseases. Those troubled by impure <laughs> spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. And then he gave a speech to his disciples... This is a big, famous speech. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. And then 
What does verses 27 and 28 say? But I say to the, you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. So how, yes, love your enemies. How easy is it to love your enemies and to do good things for those who hate you and to bless those who say mean things to you and tell you that bad things will happen or and pray for those that hurt you and beat you and um, steal your things. It's not always that easy. I don't think it's ever that easy. Real hard. It's really hard. But is it what we're supposed to do? Yes. Yes. And if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other one. If someone takes your coat, give them your shirt too. So we need to be kind to those that we are find to be an enemy or find difficult to get along with sometimes we should always act kindly to them and love them because then you will at least be doing the right thing and it may even change their heart towards you how do you two know each other ruby and jadefire we're brother and sister and is it always easy to get along as brother and sister no especially as the oldest two no do you often fight for control Yes. Do you often despise one another? Yes. Maybe perchance this is a very good verse for the two of you. Or couple verses. This passage is good for you. Shut up. I see someone is resisting change and growth. I'm not resisting. You're telling me to shut up because you don't want to hear it. You know who else told somebody to shut up because they didn't want to hear it? Who? Pharisees to Jesus. So, we love our enemies. Then it talks about judging. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So, you need to have a heart of forgiveness, right? Because those who are forgiven, forgive. And Jesus has forgiven us our sins as long as we have taken them to him and asked and repented, right? So, then you should be willing to forgive. There's a parable. I don't think we read it in here. Maybe we did, and maybe I don't remember. But um, about the um, the one who owed money to the king, or his lord, or whatever, and then... Um, I think... Did we read that? Mine says... No, we didn't. No. Let, let me just find it quick. Um, I don't see it where I am right now. Where was that? But my point is, there's the person who's forgiven all his debt, right? And then there's somebody who owes him even less money, the person that owed a lot of money to his lord, and he's like, beat the guy and threw him in jail because he wasn't able to pay him back. Yeah. And so then what did the lord do? He put the other guy in jail? Correct. I just said, I don't think it was in this part. But it's just another example of forgive, and you will be forgiven. You want, we've been forgiven, so we should be forgiving of others because anything anybody has done to us is so much less than what we have done to God. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Any other things? There's a lot of parables here, which are always fun. Mm -hmm. Any of them stand out for anybody? I'm pretty sure this is a parable. It says, what happens when a blind man pretends to guide another blind man? They both stumble into a ditch. And how could the Apprentice? apprentice know more than his master? For only after he is fully qualified will he be at the level. Why do you focus on the flaw in someone else's life 
and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own life. How could you say to your friend, "Here, let me show you, let me show you where you're wrong," when you're you are guilty of even more than he? You are overly critical, splitting hairs, and being a hypocrite. 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 You must acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them before and. You will be able to deal with the blind spots of your friend. Oh, another thing that, in a sense, shortens it is um, why do you see the spot in someone else's eye and try to fix that when you have a log in your own eye? Which may be my translation. <laughs> <laughs> That's my preferred way. My translation of yeah. that is um. First, pull the log out of your own eye, and then you can get yep. the speck out of your brother's. Yeah, yeah, mine's just plank, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it starts with can the blind lead the blind? They can't, right? No. Because they don't know where they're going. They're blind too. And you're both going to fall down, which is why students should be teaching the other students. They need to, because apprentice is a student, and the master would be the teacher to help yeah, you help you figure that out. Teacher, mine yep. says teacher and disciple. Okay, that works too. And so, to become like the master, you need to be fully trained. And then you can train others, because then you are also a master. Right? See. So, we are supposed to... We can't... Yeah, we're not above the master. You're not above your parents. You're not above the old men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any... Is there a parable that sticks out to you besides that one? Or did um, was that one your favorite as well? I just marked a tree and its fruit. You like the tree and the fruit? Uh-huh. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So, what is fruit? If we're trees, what is fruit? Our kind words, if we're good, or... And our actions as well. Yes, our actions, and if we're... And our thinking. A bad tree, in a sense, um, uh, it's things you might say to be cruel or harsh or criticizing. Sure. yep. And then you'll make saplings, m more bad trees. Yeah, you could be producing more bad trees. That's true. All right, chapter seven. The faith of the centurion is where we start. He was faithful. He was. He had somebody who he wanted healed, and so he reproached the Lord and recognized the Lord for who he was. He even recognizes his own power is limited, despite the fact that he's got a lot of power in the world. He's a commander, right? So that's cool. And then Jesus also resurrects a widow's child. Um, there's some messages back and forth between John the Baptist and Jesus. John the Baptist is the one that was in Elizabeth's womb, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Aren't they like cousins or something now? Something like that. Um, anything stand out through all that stuff? Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. Oh, yeah, I liked that part. I find it quite interesting that... Um, or neat that the um, this woman comes in and uh, starts weeping over his feet, 
to wash them and because she is sinful. And then she washes it with her own hair. And then, uh, and then after that, she anoints his feet with this really expensive perfume. And I'm pretty sure he forgives her sins as well, or gives her peace. And then the other people at the feast, I think, because somebody invited him in, were asking uh, again. Who is this man that he can forgive sins or give peace? And I think he also knows what they're thinking in that one. Yeah, good. I think so. Next chapter already. Yeah, chapter eight. <laughs> parable of the sower is always a fun one. That is one of my favorite parables. I circled that one because it's one of my favorites too. Yep. Yeah. So what is what does the parable of the sower mean? Um. It. Well, to shorten it up, it means that a lot of people hear the word. I think everybody, but some uh, hear it and start to grow, and then they're crippled. In the parable, it says by the weeds, but um, it's the devil and that kind of thing are crippling them. And uh, I don't remember everything, but some fall into rocky land and stuff. But the main part is where um. Uh, the ones that fall onto the soil is uh, where the ones who uh, fall on the good soil grow and grow because they are a good seed and believe in Jesus. Do you have any other favorite parts of this chapter, Jadefire? And I um, underlined, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Mm, yep. Personally, I really like the part where... Jesus calms the storm. That's always a fun. That's right. Where they all freak out about it. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. Because they all wake him up because he's just sleeping throughout the storm. He doesn't yeah, doesn't like, bother him. What are you doing? Master! Master! Yep. We are perishing. And what does he ask them? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? They're not trusting. That is right above um, Jesus heals a man with a demon. And there's... I do like the, the demon healing as well yes i have that all underlined that is another fun thing one of my favorite parts though is oops um is that when when the people come and see that the man is healed and that he has no more demon in him or whatever and he's in his right mind they're afraid he's dressed and in his right mind and they're afraid I know they were afraid because of yeah. just what had happened and that he's actually like sane now and free, but the idea of somebody actually being clothed and in their right mind to scare people just is funny to me. <laughs> um, my favorite part, I think, is uh, where um, um, when the demons come out, they're like, please don't hurt us. There are some pigs on the hill. Can we please go and inhabit them? And so he's like, yes, and they're like, begging Jesus not to hurt them because they know who's most powerful whether they're demons or not. Yep. Yeah, they like to put on a front, but they they know better. They and know then, better, but they don't do better. And then we kind of wrap up with uh, Jesus healing the the child, even though he gets there, quote-unquote, too late. And then also the woman in the crowd that gets healing. And it was just, all they had to do was have faith and believe. Um, that was a good part. Um, I like where they say that she is dead, and he's like, nope, she's just asleep. My favorite part about this section is 
how she snuck up behind him and touched the very brim of his robe and got instantly healed. And Jesus recognizes that somebody that was sick touched his robe, and he's like, who touched me? And because they're all like... Because some of he felt some of his, his power get drained from him. And the disciples are like, everybody's touching you. It's so crowded in here. And he's like, nope, I felt a power surge. Who touched me? <laughs> a power surge. I'm pretty sure that's basically what it says in here. Okay, I just like the phrasing, that's all. And did, so what, what healed her? Um, her faith. That's right. It had nothing to do with touching Jesus. Because, I mean, we've seen him with the centurion earlier. How did the person get healed? Did Jesus go and see the person? Nope. Nope. He just said, hey, he's well. Your faith has healed him. Yeah, so with all those chapters, what is your favorite chapter? What's Eight. the best chapter? Eight is the best chapter? Or That's my favorite. Okay. Because of the healing the woman and stuff. Yeah. I agree that eight is probably one of my favorite chapters because of the seed as well and the healing and the woman who was suffering and the sleeping girl dead girl i think that was probably my favorite chapter okay some of my favorite stuff is in it and besides jesus because that's too easy of an answer who is your favorite person or character or whatever at this point simon that does not surprise me I know it didn't say everything in here, but I think John is a cool character as well with baptizing people. Oh, John the Baptist. Yes, John the Baptist. Gotcha. I was thinking John the Fisherman, and I'm like, we barely heard about him so far. I think he's a neat character. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm not even sure what my answer would be. Um, I'm going to have to go with Simeon, simply because he was the old man in this section of reading, <laughs> and apparently I'm the old man, so... <laughs> his story is cool though i do yeah. i do like that um all right and as far as what god is speaking to you through these uh this section of the bible and what you should be trying to apply to your life and work on i will start so you guys think as i'm speaking um for me i think it's specifically the passage about the storm and how jesus was sleeping through it and not riled by it and he's like guys come on and he just calms it because it doesn't matter what's because it's there it's a physical storm like an uh, environmental storm there's clouds lightning you know whatever but storm can be anything i mean chaos of any kind or too much stuff going on or being super busy or whatever it is or just just a lot of troubles or people needing things and it feels like everything is just out of control and can't keep on top of things or and or you're scared because you don't know what's coming or whatever and you don't need to be where where's my faith that's what i need to remember where is it and it's in god I should be clinging to him and being able to... I should be able to just sleep through the storm because God's got me. Now, mm -hmm. by sleeping, I don't mean getting things done that I should be getting whatever God has called me to do. But I should be just talking to him about it. Be like, hey, where are we going? What do you, what do you, what am I supposed to be doing? I don't even know where, need to know where we're going, but what am I supposed to be doing? I think God's talk, telling me with this um, that... um. I need to be better about what I um about my choices 
Okay. Life. Where where do you see that in this section of the Bible? Uh, the broad vipers section. The brood of vipers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, there's also the foolish man that built a house on the sand. Mm, yeah. We didn't really talk about it, but it was there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. So, like, what kind of choices? Like, what choices do you need like, to... Like, instead of just playing my video games right away at the, in the beginning of the day, don't play them at all in the day. Like, video games aren't good for me. They're actually bad for me. Well, they can be harmful, yes? Yes. But not always. Because just... there's some... Because in Minecraft there's some ants, like, math things going on. Well, like, my, the how... thing is, is just how much time you spend and how much energy you put into it. And Correct. if you sacrifice things you should be focused on, that's not okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, I don't know which part this is, but the part you pulled up about the arguing, I believe, it was something Jacob like that. Jacob and Esau? No. Um, where was that? I don't know. Uh, arguing is somewhat vague. <laughs> It's one where you were talking to us more so. Jay. Oh, just about arguing between each other? Loving your enemies? Ah, that's probably the part. I think I could use a little more of not judging. Is that it? Is that all you had to say about that? I think so. Okay. Well, cool. And then next time we will be going over Luke chapter 9. Through 16? Through 16. And maybe in a speedier time hopefully i don't know um, <laughs> maybe we'll find a faster way to go through some of this because but it's hard because luke has some long chapters so there's a lot of content that we had to go through yeah all right but i am focusing on the highlights going to close this out with prayer so dear god uh thank you for this time that we all could spend together like this and to study your word and to take application from it and to learn from it and to get to know you better And please lead us uh, in our weeks um, as we go through school and work and everything and help us to um, be diligent in our study of you and your word and to be always in prayer and communication with you. Help us to rely on you for wisdom so we do not make the foolish choices and to recognize what they are so we can avoid them and any temptations that may fall upon us. Help us to resist them and know your word better so that we can resist them because as we've seen, it is your word that resists those temptations, um, both with Eve the first time around and with um, Jesus all three times. Um, And to know it well enough that when somebody twists it and tries to use it against us, we can see through it. Um, And help us to always be loving to one another, whether uh, they are enemies or not. Help us to show kindness to them and to do um, what you have called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.